Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey everybody, welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I was going to have salt and pepper playing Let's Talk About Sex again, but I just received a cease and desist order from their attorneys. Um, so that Those was salt awkward. salt pepper, they don't mess around. No, they don't. Or I mean, Peppa. Yeah. Pepper? Yeah, Peppa. Pe- <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. I just couldn't find it on my phone. We are talking about sex today, though. This is part two of our two-part series with Dr. Sharon Bober. She is director of the Sexual Health Program at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, Massachusetts, City of Champions. And she is here with us today. Dr. Bober, thanks for coming back and, and talking again about sex, cancer, intimacy, all those things. So happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, we're looking forward to those solutions that we kind of talked about some of those problems on the first one and really looking to kind of help this group talk more about the things that are out there. Yeah, and have rockin' sex lives. Um, Yeah. Bridgerton, I have not seen Bridgerton, but apparently... Uh, from what I understand, episode six of Bridgerton is oh, a, do- is a it doozy. Goes, it's, it's a, a doozy. doozy. My, so my sister, uh, she is a fantastic person, but um, she, but, 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 but she was, you know, kind of looking at that and was told by her husband, like, oh, I think my mother would like this. And then they got to episode six and he really regretted, I think, <laughs> sharing that knowledge because knowing that there was that crossover is just does not help. I don't think. So <laughs> I, apparently I need to be educated on this, but um, well, just yeah. to say, we, you know, there aren't a lot of uh, kind of mainstream dramas where women's pleasure is uh, yeah. is uh, highlighted, put it that yes. way. So yeah. that's... Uh... Bring on more of that. <laughs> so in, in our first talk, we, we talked about um, some of the common problems, some of the common challenges that you see in your practice w- with men uh, who are impacted by cancer in terms of sex and, and intimacy. For this uh, chunk of time, I do want to get into some solutions. I want to talk about that there is hope and there are tools available to you, no matter how bad you think things are. And how to find the resources. Yes, and how to find the resources. So forward action. So let's just start there. Let's say, Dr. Bober, we're talking to our average listener out there, a guy who's struggling with cancer, sex. Where to begin? Like, what? What? How do you even start tackling these issues if you're just an average patient out there? Right. So, you know, I think it's important for everybody to kind of sit back and think to themselves, what is it that is bothering me? Right. And I say that because I think people have a very, you know, everybody has their own experience around what might be changed or bothersome. And I don't assume that, you know, everybody has the same problem. Right. Right, So, you know, it may be that, you know, it's easy to talk about erectile dysfunction because that seems you know, we sort of talk about ED in a more ubiquitous sort of way. But, you know, the fact is, for some guys, that's more bothersome than others. For some guys, the issue is more about, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure where to go with that, or I don't know how to talk to my partner about that. I just think mm-hmm. it's very important to sort of do a little bit of a self 
check and ask, you know, what is it that's sort of different or disrupted that's bothering me? And I wouldn't assume it's the same for everyone, you know? And I, I think that in terms of figuring out what the next steps are, you know, I would say that, again, I think the last section we talked about that sort of biopsychosocial model, right? With the understanding that things can kind of get disrupted from a very kind of mechanical, physical way. Sometimes things get kind of on tra- off track with, you know, with a partner or maybe concerns about dating, you know, in a more interpersonal sort of way. I, I, I got to, I'm sorry, I got to oh, yeah, slow no, no. you down. When you say bio, say so, that again. Sort of, so really <laughs> sort of that idea of biopsychosocial. Biopsychosocial, right? because I got to say, yeah. some of the guys, me and some of the guys in our group were a little slow sometimes. That's going to be a t-shirt now. <laughs> that, bio, yeah. Biopsychosocial. Right, put it on so, a bumper yeah. sticker. Yeah. Just the so, idea that it's not yeah. just about getting an erection. I, that's really just the only point I'm making. Yeah. Okay, right? now, now, you got, now you got me. Yeah, so it's, it's just to say it's not only about can I get an erection. Right. And I want to really underscore that point because... Uh, I think guys feel better when they can get an erection, and I'm all about trying to help them do that. And I'm happy to talk about some of the the options. But I also want to acknowledge that if we reduce people's experience to only being able to get an erection, right? Um, one, sometimes mechanically that's that's challenging, so there has to be sort of other options. And two, you know, I think it's it puts people in a very narrow box if the only way you can kind of connect to your partner is whether you can get an erection or not. Right. So let's let's table that for just a second because I do want to get back to that idea about not needing an erection. But if we could circle on the idea of so if you're a patient, you have lots of different points of contact. Maybe, hopefully you have a primary care physician. Hopefully right. maybe you have an oncologist. Sometimes your your care team can be scattered. Yeah. And and you might not know you and your partner might want some help with some common issues around sex, but you're not even but maybe you're embarrassed about it. Or you're not sure who to talk to. Who do you go to or where yeah. do you go? So I would say the first thing is the the good news is that there are more resources online now than we've ever had before. You know, I think awesome. there is a, a growing interest in this topic. So whether it is the American Cancer Society, whether it is um, uh, Movember Foundation, um, fantastic um, online resource for men after prostate cancer, uh, partnered or not, that's sort of a six episode uh, kind of uh, <laughs> sexual rehabilitation thing that you can do, you know, there are resources online that we didn't have before. Um, mm-hmm. So that's good. The The first thing I want to say is that don't wait for your team to bring it up if they're not bringing it up. So I'm just very, great uh, point. I want to be very clear. It's, it's okay to advocate for this, right? It's okay to ask your team to say, you know, uh, I know we haven't talked about this, but um, I'm struggling with sexual function or things have changed with sexual health. Um, is there someone I can talk to? You know, is that you or is there somebody else? Because, you know, even if your your oncologist is not the person to say, uh, oh boy, I'm not sure what to do, they actually, it's incumbent on them to also help find some resources, right? Yes, so yes, so yes. getting to a urologist who can give you some additional options, for example, if, if Viagra does not work, Right, who can mm-hmm. give you options around potentially using a a, a suppository, but using a penile in, injection. There are options mechanically to be able to get blood flow to that penile tissue that go beyond the scope of the average primary care doctor. And yep. usually, you're going to come from a urologist who has some interest in this and expertise in sexual health and sexual medicine. So you know, it's okay to go to your team, your oncology team, and say, um, "Who do you suggest that I talk to?" And if they say, "I don't know," it's also okay to say, um, "Could you help me 
can, could we think about that together? I just, I just think it's important to advocate for this like anything right. else, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is that, you know, in terms of, you know, a kind of a therapy piece, right? There, are, I don't think you, you know, you don't necessarily have to see a sex therapist, right? Sometimes it might be a sex therapist, could be a counselor, could be a psychologist, could be a social worker. There are lots of other kinds of providers who can be very helpful in terms of figuring out the coaching piece around the relationship, right? To be able to give you a little bit of help around communication. You know, how do I talk to my partner? How do I start the conversation if I'm not sure where to start? Mm. Um, you know, I think that not everybody feels comfortable doing that. And sometimes a little bit of coaching or a little bit of help uh, goes a long way. Would your advice be to, you know, when you were talking about the mechanical, you were talking about there's resources that are available, things that people can talk to, urologists, other types of doctors, you know, maybe there are pills that help that particular patient. Is your advice potentially also, though, that if even if you get your mechanical situation that you're trying to figure out for your sexual health kind of on a path that you feel is more successful to also partner with that mental awareness of, you know, a counselor, a therapist, because it does seem like, you know, everybody, not just cancer patients, but would benefit from that that one-two punch situation of somebody <laughs> looking at the physical and somebody looking at the mental. You know, I I I say this with all due respect. I don't think everybody needs to see a counselor. You know, I okay, think that yeah. if if I think if you do, you do. I think if yeah. it would be helpful, that would be great. I also think that there are couples that actually, you know, have a pretty good track record for being able to talk about hard things and 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 can take their time and make time for this. So I guess I'd say, Kellen, that it sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, it really depends on what you need. What I would say is that most people can use a little bit of coaching or support, right. but I think it can come in a whole bunch of different ways, you know, um, maybe you can hear a podcast, you know, that sort of gets you motivated enough to be able to say to your partner, you know, this has been something that's been on my mind. And I know we really haven't talked about it. And would it be okay to make some time to do that? Right? Like just to open the door, you know, that the value of having you discuss this, one of the pieces of value is that if you're out there and you're hearing this, then you realize that there are tools available. There are sexual medicine experts. There are people like Dr. Bober at, at Dana-Farber and elsewhere who you can tap into and solve some of your problems, like make your sex life and your intimate life better than you can imagine right now. The, so just knowing that there are resources out there and amazing people who are willing to tackle this, but sometimes it is going to take you making this a priority. Um, but knowing that it's out there is is maybe what you need out there to take that first step to get help. I think what you just said is very important that you have to make it, you have to choose to put this on the burner, right? On the right. front burner, right? One of the things that I often think about is that sexual function does not get better by itself. I would say that is probably one of the, the real differences in terms of this side effect of treatment compared oh, to other yeah, side yeah. effects, right? Yeah, great is This point. is not something that just gets better over time typically, right? That just kind of self-resolves, right? Sometimes we think, well, if you wait long enough, fatigue yeah. gets better. This does typically does not, right? Well, and in, in fact, it gets worse it, because you're not communicating with your partner. You're not communicating with, you know. Right. And, yeah. and to be frank, from a, a, a kind of a mechanical perspective in terms of, you know, if you want to talk about penile tissue, um, that actually the kind of atrophy that takes place when there isn't good oxygenated blood flow to that tissue, that actually does get worse over time, right? So that's a great segue because let's get back to erections, okay. right? I mean, let's... <laughs> 
yeah. Let's, let's, let's go back there. Let's go back there. You know, <laughs> sure. because erections in our culture are thought of like it's the end all be all, right? If you can't get it up, then you know, hey, you're pretty much done. Go out to pasture, right? right. Which is just it's that cultural thing that we talk about that is so limiting. So right. you make this great point about that you do not, let's say that you try things and you're just not able to have an erection. You still can have a fulfilled, you can be desirable and you can be desired even if you can't get an erection. Absolutely. And I, you know, the thing that I would want to convey is that it does not, we have to get outside of that black and white mindset of whether you're someone who can get an erection or can't get an erection, right? What I would say for any guy who's dealing with some side effects, including erectile dysfunction, the goal does not have to be that every time you want to have an intimate encounter with your partner, you have to have an erection, right? That's what, yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes you might want to do that and there may be, you know, mechanical ways that you can get an erection and that's fine. You know, there also might be times when you want to have sex and you don't have to have an erection, right? That you can pleasure a partner manually, orally, without an erection in order to be able to turn your partner on, to give her an orgasm, to give him an orgasm, right? You yep. don't, it does not have to be only about an erection. So I, I think the thing that I often, um, you know, we often get caught up with is that it's like, there's only one way to have sex, you know, and there's only one way to get, connect, you know, get to have intimacy. And that's just not true. Well, and let's be honest, for a lot of women, you know, there's lots of other things that are available that are probably more exciting or more, they're more interested in than a, than an erect penis right. and, so, and that type of intercourse, right? right? And, I, and I'm going to yeah. fill that blank in for you right there. Um, <laughs> most women don't have orgasm from intercourse. That's the reality. Wait, but I saw on TV. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, did, yeah, I, did, I, I, did I just say that out loud? So <laughs> the thing is, some women have orgasm during penetrative intercourse. The majority don't. Right. Because the reality is that it's clitoral stimulation, which is what gets most women aroused to 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 orgasm. Wait, and, again, but back sorry. on the movies, a guy right? looks at a woman and she has an orgasm. I don't sure. know what you're saying. I know. Here. I know. I know. I know. I sound sorry. totally crazy. I'm having fun with you. Like, but yeah, right. go, go ahead. Right. Go keep going on that. Right. But I mean, but, you know, if if we can kind of just own that, accept that without being shocked or horrified and just think, gosh, you know, that's true, then it kind of opens up. You know, and much, isn't that wonderful? Right. It's, it's how wonderful is that? And I will say, you know, even just this idea of, I want to talk about libido too, right? Because so many times, you know, when people feel damaged, right? You, you your body's not the same, you, just for all the reasons oh, you yeah. enumerated before, you yeah. know, you know, libido again, at the intersection of all these factors. So people feel like just not in the mood, you know, one of the things, especially for guys that I think is really important and, and not ever talked about is that you can cultivate an experience of desire, right? By having some kind of experience that jump starts something pleasurable, right? And one of the key points is that if you have an interaction with your partner where you can turn your partner on, right? That is often a turn on for you, right? And so whether again, erection or not, just from the point of view of getting you in the mood, right? Aroused, excited, interested, curious, right? That's yes. there, yep. There's so much satisfaction, right? And quality of experience that can come with just being able to um, turn your partner on, right? That that's something that you kind of, people often like lose that experience if, if, if it's only about whether you right. can perform or not, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, man, such valuable information. Thank you so much for doing this with us. 
Can we talk a little bit about men with ostomies? Because sure. we do have a lot of um, people in our audience who have an ostomy now or maybe have an ostomy for, for life. So sure. they, do you see them in your practice? And, and what are some of the challenges that they face? I do. So, you know, I think with ostomies um, for men and for women, you know, there's often a kind of a there's a practical right kind of management point of view. You have to kind of, you know, nobody wants to have an accident. Nobody wants to, you know, if something smells bad or feels uncomfortable that, mm-hmm. you know, it's understandable that I think there's often a kind of a, just a practice and management point of view of how to be able to feel comfortable and feel safe enough, right. That you're, that it, you're, you want to be close to a partner. Um, I would say that most partners are more than willing to, um, uh, you know, if you have a sense of humor and decent communication, most partners are more than willing to kind of strategize, right, about yeah. what works. I also think that um, many guys who have ostomies also have some erectile dysfunction because often there has been surgery, you know, right. there has been, um, you know, maybe nerve damage, et cetera. So you may be also um, needing to deal with some of the kinds of interventions that we mentioned before, whether that's penile injection, vacuum pump, you know, beyond um, uh, what you might be able to get from a pill, right? So that's that's part of it too. And, you know, I would just say that, again, what makes you a man, what makes you attractive, what makes you sexy in the eyes of somebody who cares about you is not a physical, one physical body part. You know, it's all of you, right? Yes, There's so yes, much yes. more to the experience. And so, you know, often I, I find that, I will say that partners are often so relieved, you know, to be able to sort of talk about this because a lot of times, you know, as guys, we're, I mean, we look at this, I'm talking like I'm a guy, you know, <laughs> what do I know? Um, you know, guys lot, feel apparently. like if, if they can't, you know, if they can't do what they used to do, the, the feeling automatically is to kind of close yourself off a little bit to kind right. of avoid it and become more to sort of detach a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, ironically, if you're willing to allow yourself or invite yourself to experiment, sometimes what you find is totally different than what you were imagining. Yeah. And, and, and also I think about finding the right partner, a partner who is going to, yeah, have fun with going through, through this with you. And, and, you know, so that makes me think of some of the younger guys in our, in our group who maybe they, you know, would like to find that partner and have a great sex life and have kids at some point. There are a lot of guys in their twenties in our group who haven't reached that. So I, you know, I have two children and there's a lot of people in our group who have children and grandchildren, but let's talk about the younger people as they're trying to figure out, is anyone going to, yeah, is anyone going to want to date me? Is anyone going to find me sexy with this new me? Especially now with dating, with the way that people date now, it is so much a quick, a quick snap judgment. Right. And how do you delve into that more intimate relationship? And when, when do you like bring up some of the things that might be? Sure, disclosure. So Kellen, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Because one thing I think is true, uh, my opinion, is that, you know, if you, from the dating point of view, right? If the kind of person that you would be considering dating is the kind of person that wouldn't really be wanting to be with somebody who's had cancer, who's gone through kind of a major life event, it's probably not the kind of person you want to be with. You know what I mean? Like just from the point of view of like when you think about dating. It's a um, quick filter. It's a real quick filter. It it is, you know? (laughs) And and the truth is, uh, and it's funny because, you know, I do all these groups. I do groups with women. I do groups with men. And inevitably they all say, somebody wouldn't want to be with somebody like me. And when I bring that up in the group, you know, the women Mm. all say, oh my God, that's totally not true. And the men say the same thing, right? So it's like we have so many assumptions about who, 
the kind of person who would or wouldn't want to be with someone like me. But the reality, again, is that when you're looking for um, a partner, right, who is who wants to, to be with you, most people are looking for somebody who is like a whole person, you know, who who is who is emotional and intense and able to talk and communicate. You know, being able to sort of have sex one particular way is usually... Um, not anywhere close to a deal breaker. And again, if it is, when you think about it, that is so not the person that right. you would right. want to be dating, right? Because that's they also the... have no imagination. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, just at every level, when you think about it, you'd be like, that just isn't the kind of person I'd want to be with. So, you know, I do think that this question, I will come back, you know, just to quickly address yeah. the issue of disclosure, right? Because I think for lots of people that are single, mm. there's always that question, you know, we do these um, kind of fun dating workshops with Dana-Farber, mm. and it's always like, do I ask on the first? date? Do I ask on the second date? You know, my advice is always the same, which is that it's not about like one right moment, but I do feel pretty strongly that it's helpful. To, you don't have to tell your whole story, you know, in one breath. You know, I think it's it, one, one way to think about it is saying, listen, you know, you know, I've been through a lot and actually I had some health stuff and, um, you know, it was a kind of an intense year last year, full stop, you know, and does that person kind of look like a deer in the headlights or do they mm-hmm. lean in and say, oh my gosh, tell me more, you know, and just follow your gut on that. And if, and if the feedback is that they seem like the kind of person who wants to hear more, you're going to feel safe and you're going to tell a little more. And if it's the kind of person at that point that, you know, wants to change the subject again, quick filter. Thanks a lot. You don't have to waste time on dinner. Yeah. You're out of there, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when we get Saves to have dinner money. again, <laughs> right? if we ever go on a date again, exactly. Yeah. But you, you guys bring up great points because it seems like our dating culture, from what I hear from people who are into that scene has been reduced to, you know, sharing lewd pictures and seeing if people want to hook up for sex. Like, wh- well, I also think that it's very hard to judge on if you're in the dating pool because people are being, even if it's somebody who would want to know more, it's hard to really assess that from how, how it looks like dating is now. Right. Like it really, you know, it's, and uh, so I love her feedback of like, almost like putting breadcrumbs out right, of, right. Like, of like your information of seeing how you can test, all, you know, a situation in a way that you're comfortable with, that you're not oversharing what you don't want to be known to somebody who is potentially a stranger, because if they look like a deer in the headlights, that person can stay a stranger it, right and well and my advice would to the younger people in our group would just be 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 yourself up front yeah. be do yeah. what's comfortable yeah. for you be right. authentic be do you, you don't have to put up some front just because you think that's what people are supposed to do if they're dating now like if that's not your you be you you don't need yeah. an instagram filter yeah no <laughs> like you know what you're gonna find that and and plus if you're not yourself and you put on this front you're not gonna end up with the, you're not gonna get the right people right. who are gonna be interested in you and i guess as much as you know i know that we talk about this sort of dating culture or whatever i'm just always struck by the fact that when i sit with real people and have real conversations people say i want a real partner real you know exactly. i want real i want an authentic experience i'm not looking for somebody that's just on the surface so I think people out there, lots of people out there want a real relationship. Yes. And I think that's, that is very hopeful. I feel like we're going to come back to Dr. Bober uh, as we time. move into 2021 <laughs> here. I do think that one of the things that's going to be interesting to come from these 
podcast being, you know, brought to the community is that I bet we will see more questions that we will be looking to address as well as more thoughts and feedback. And we're always open to that because we want to know what people really face, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I hope that you're, uh, have enjoyed the experience and are looking and can come back uh, later down the road. I'm just so happy to be here with both of you and I would be delighted. So we're not going to let you off easy yet. We're going to put you through the gauntlet gauntlet. of random questions because, uh, these issues can be really heavy for people. So this is our time to lighten up. It's the gauntlet of random questions for Dr. Sharon Bober. If Dr. Sharon Bober were an evil genius, where would we find your secret lair? Oh my goodness. Underground, on a on a mountaintop somewhere, maybe foreign country. You could be like an evil foreign Tropical leader. Island. I think in a Scottish castle. Oh. Oh, good. now you're now talking. Now you and Trevor are, are best friends. Did yeah. you know that? Because that's ba- basically well, Scottish. Is I have, a Scot- got- I have a castle in Scotland on my arm, actually. Oh my Calabarock. goodness. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. I love it. Um, if you could instantly become an expert in something obviously other than sex, uh, what would it be? Primatology. Whoa, whoa, again, now again, I'm now confused. Now she's my daughter's best friend. Wait, what is, what is it? <laughs> Primatology, like Chimps. Jane Goodall. Oh, yeah. I'm, sorry, Kellen. I'm, I'm not, I'm not wicked smart like <laughs> you Vermont people. Um, what place in the U.S. would you most like to visit that you have never been to before? I've never been to the Grand Canyon and I've never been to Yellowstone. Oh, me those neither. Are both I, on those our are on list. my list, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what's the best sandwich? Oh, I'm a vegetarian, so oh goodness! So you got uh, something just, good for us. Let's just go with a uh, caprese or a oh, veggie BLT. Yeah. Man, Kellen's, the cap- yeah, Ellen's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, last question. Well, maybe the last question. Aaron Brockovich, Steel Magnolias, or Sleeping with the Enemy? Best Julia Roberts movie. Oh, I have to go with Aaron Brockovich. That's a good one. That's Kellen, do you one. want to answer that one? It depends on how much you want to cry. Like if you're in the mood for a good cry, Steel Magnolia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. They're both awesome. Um, you know what? We'll go one more. Last one. Um, would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music or forced to sing along to any song you heard? You've this never is where seen we separate me. the you, singers you, from you, the dancers. You've never yeah. seen me at a wedding. Um, I, I'm definitely going to go with dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Thanks for going through the gauntlet of random questions. You have successfully navigated this. We definitely are going to have you back on uh, later. So thank you for everything. And thank you for being... I hope what people get out of this most of all is hope. And yeah. and because I feel like some people can just get to that place where they've just like written it off, like we talked about earlier. Like you know what? It's not. It's something that's bothering me, but it's just too difficult to deal with. But now I think if they listen to you and and hear what the options are available to them, that they can have hope that they can improve that part of their lives, which Absolutely. is a really important part of their lives. Do not give up. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open. Hold up. 